Could you now find your Bibles? And as I said, it's Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5 up to verse 25. And this is Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So um, imagine um, for a moment that, that Nigel gathers you all together on a, on a well, I don't know what you do your members meetings, but he calls a members meeting one, one evening and you all come along. He says, great guys, I've got a, a mission strategy for you that, that the elders have been praying about for a long time. And here it is. You're going to take a message that no one wants to hear to people that don't want to listen. And you're going to be thrown in prison. People are going to hate you. Your children will leave home and never want to see you again. And um, some of you might end up in prison or even killed. How would you feel if that was the, the mission strategy of the church? You probably would, you might, if you know this passage, you might think, well, that, that sounds like the gospel. Um, but, but if you're honest, you're probably thinking, well, that's not really the way we want to do mission, is it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor of outreach at Chesney Evangelical Church. And um, when people called me to be pastor outreach, this is not what they really wanted. It's not what we want, let's be honest. What they wanted me to do was to come to the church to find a way of sharing the gospel that makes everybody like you. That gets away all those difficult conversations. That finds a way of sharing the gospel and keeping your friends. That finds a way of sharing the gospel without um, losing relationships with your neighbours. That finds a way of teaching your children about Jesus without them becoming um, enemies of the gospel. A way, a way of sharing the gospel that's comfortable, that's nice, that's kind, 
that's accepting. One that, that doesn't mean we lose anything and that everybody we tell becomes a Christian. I mean, that's the kind of thing they want to hear. I mean, that's, that's what I want, right? That's what I want too. I, I wish that was true sometimes. But actually, as we come to passages like this, we're, we're confronted with the reality of what it means to be people of the gospel. Um, so just to give you a little bit of context, um, I'm sure you, you probably remember this, but, but in the previous chapter 9, um, Jesus has seen that people are coming to Jesus with all the needs that they have, and he's spending time healing, and he's, ha- he's having compassion on them. So verse 36 of, of chapter 9, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus sees this great need. He spent the whole day healing them and, and, and preaching the gospel to them. And uh, there's just too many people for, for one man to meet. So then he, uh, the very people that he calls to pray are the ones that he calls to go. And he, he calls the 12 disciples to, to go and to go out with his authority into the world. And I've got three points um, that I would like us to go through this morning. The first one is, mission comes with Jesus' authority. The second point is, mission comes with pain. And the third one is, mission comes with great promises. It comes with authority, it comes with pain, and it comes with promises. So it comes with, with authority. Let's just have a look at some of these verses. So Jesus is, is giving, in this passage, he's giving instructions to these disciples that he's sending off these 12 people. They're very similar, actually, to the instructions that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 10 to the 72. Um, but here he gives it specifically to the 12. And just, just look at what he, what he calls them to do. I mean, the authority he gives them is amazing, isn't it? Um, they're, they're, they're given authority to preach that the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's exactly the same message that Jesus has been preaching. So they've got the same message that Jesus is proclaiming. Jesus has given him the authority to preach like he does. Uh, but, but it's more than that. Um, in verse 8, we're told he's give, he gives them authority to heal the sick like Jesus does. He gives them authority to raise the dead like Jesus does. Um, to cleanse the lepers like Jesus does. To drive out demons like Jesus does. It says, freely you've received, freely give. He gives them this wonderful mighty authority gives to the 12 apostles but then then the authority goes even more than that i mean look at the way he describes what's to happen as he arrives in these towns and villages don't take do not take gold or silver or copper or take with you any of your belts no bag for your journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his keep whatever town or village you enter search for someone worthy person and stay in that house until you leave and as you as you enter the home Give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Jesus is giving them authority to, to, to declare his peace in those homes, in those villages, in those towns. And, and, and even more than that, he's giving, them, he's giving them authority, his authority, to proclaim judgment on those towns, on those homes. So that your peace should return to you. You should shake the dust off your feet. And then Jesus says this in verse 15. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So that will sink in for a second. He's saying to the, to, the, to the 12 apostles, the first missionaries, look, if they don't listen to you as you take this message to them, 
That's how serious it is. It's as serious as if they didn't listen to me. Now, why is he saying it's more bearable for, so- for, for, for Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, well, Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have people preaching the gospel in it. But these towns and villages do. So the, the gospel has been preached to these places. And if they reject it, then judgment is coming. And Jesus says, look, you will have the authority. It, it will be on your shoulders to do this. Isn't this just astounding what Jesus is doing, allowing these 12 men to do? This authority that he's giving them to bear is huge. It's as if through them, Jesus is present in all those communities. They are representing Jesus in their lives, in their ministries, in their message. Now, I think this, this passage, we're talking about the 12 apostles, right? So we don't want to take, apply all this stuff straight to us. But I do think there, there are things that we can learn from this. There, there is a model that Jesus is setting up for, for, for us. And part of that is that the, the gospel message is something more than just words. It's more than just an idea. Um, as we take the gospel message out, as God's people takes the gospel's message out, I mean, um, it, it is the, the 12, and later on it's the 72. But then remember at Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And he says to all the disciples, therefore you go. So in one sense, we all have the authority of Jesus to take the message out into the world. And it's more than just an idea. You see, it, we are supposed to embody this message. And how people treat the people of God tells us how they're treating God himself. That's a really deep thing. So that's massive. What does that mean? It means that, that as we take the message of the gospel out, we're not just telling people what the gospel is and uh, like some vague idea that they can accept or reject. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. It means that, that as we go out, we are to be Christ for those people. Um, if we teach about forgiveness, we're to model forgiveness. We're to live forgiveness. And as we tell them about what it means to, to, that they can have a relationship with God, we are to model in our lives what it looks like to know God. The call of, 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 of preaching the gospel to the world isn't just to, to say a bunch of stuff. It's to show a bunch of stuff. It's to live stuff. It's to be Jesus in those communities. A phrase I heard many, many years ago that stuck with me is the most of Jesus that people will see is the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me. That's, 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 that's powerful stuff. And you might think, well, how can I go into this world with this message, I mean, what, what, what skills have I got? What, what background have I got? I mean, I'm not the best person for this task. So imagine how the, the apostles felt when Jesus said to them, right, I want you to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead, cure the lepers. What do you think they felt? Well, whoa, whoa, Jesus, that's your job. Raise the dead, are you crazy? Can you imagine the, 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 how scary that must have sounded to them? But they have the authority of Jesus to go and do these things. Yeah, it's scary to, to be called to be witnesses to Jesus in Surrey, in Epsom, with your neighbours, with your family and your friends. Scary. But the authority of Jesus has been given to you, to me, to make disciples of Epsom, Surrey, in your whatever street you're living on. You have the authority of Jesus. You might think, well, 
Who am I to go and do that? People aren't going to want to listen. The authority of Jesus sends you, as he did send those 12 initially. So, mission comes with authority, Jesus' authority. But it also comes with a health warning. So, mission comes with pain. And if you look from verse 16 onwards, it gets really dark very, very quickly. So, he starts off, Jesus tells us in verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Mentions four animals. You, know, you get the idea of sheep being fluffy little helpless things. That you know, Basically, in the Bible, if you see a sheep, what happens to it? Gets killed, right? Either gets eaten or gets, uh, by, by people or gets, gets sacrificed. But sheep don't ever fare well in the Bible. So weak, helpless, um, pretty useless, easily killed. And then wolves. I'm sending you out among, your sheep amongst wolves. Um, vicious attackers will come upon you. Wolves love to eat sheep. So that's, that's what I'm sending you out as. You will be eaten. You will be bitten. That's going to happen. So, so be as wise as snakes. It, it's not saying like, don't stupidly walk into suffering. Don't um, be the type of people that just walk in looking for a fight. Be wise. We're not out there doing that. And, uh, but as well, be, be as innocent as doves. Never do anything that could be seen as immoral. Or, or, or be careful about our lives. So when people look at us, we're, see, we're not seen as crazy people who just say one thing and do another. But we're, we're, to, be, we're to be seen as pure and clean and white in that pure sense. Not to be sinful. I think one way of summing this up I've heard is Jesus sends the apostles out with all the power and authority of heaven but no power, no power of the world. All the authority of heaven, but no power from the world. So look, I will be with you. I give you the authority, but the world will attack you. It will be painful. It's not what we want to hear, but it's the truth. It comes with pain. And then... In these next verses, Jesus outlines more and more what this pain will look like. And as, you, as, we, as we go through this, I mean, if, if you read this alongside the book of Acts, you'll see this is the very stuff that the apostles faced. So in a very real sense, this is exactly what the apostles will go on to face. Uh, but it, as well, it's the kind of things that, that God's people have faced throughout the generations. And maybe that you are facing or have faced some of these things. So let's just have a look at some of these. We'll, we'll go through these pains. So the first one, in verse 17, be on your guard, you'll be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. So they're literally going to be arrested. They're going to be dragged before crowds of people. They're going to be beaten and flogged. The religious and secular authorities of this world will not want them to do this message. And they will use all their might and power to stop it. Pretty scary, right? It goes on in, in verse 21. Let's have another look at one of these pains. Brother will betray brother to death. Father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. There will be family, family divisions. I mean, this is more than just not being invited to Christmas dinner, he's describing here. This is like real vitriolic hatred 
by your brothers and sisters, by your family members. They, 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 they will hate you so much, they will want to kill you, Jesus says. Your own family. And many of you will, will know what it feels like to be rejected by your parents, by your children, because you love Jesus. It's a real pain that Jesus tells us will happen if we're people of the gospel. Verse 22, it goes on. It's not just that our family will hate us. You will be hated by everyone because of me. So as you go out into the world, don't expect to find allies in it. Everywhere you go, every type of community you go into, every people group you meet, everywhere you go, people will hate you. Everyone. Verse 23, it goes on. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Look, it's going to be hard to be in one place. And you're going to be forced out of that place and you'll have to go to somewhere else. And then maybe you'll be persecuted in that place. Then you'll be forced out and you have to go to somewhere else. And then you'll be forced out and you have to go to somewhere else. I mean, this literally happened to the the apostles. And God used this in an amazing way and acts actually to move the gospel across the world. You know, but, but this is something that, that they experience. And maybe it's something you've experienced. Maybe you've not been forced out of a place where you live or a community. But maybe you've felt the pressure recently to, to the, the, if you just stand up for Jesus in the workplace, maybe you might lose your job and you'll be forced out. If we love Jesus, if we stand for Jesus, he says we should expect this type of thing. And it goes on in verse 25. Um, it is enough for students to be like their teachers and, and servants like their masters If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his own household? He says, look, you will be slandered. People will say horrible things about you. They'll make up lies about you. And they'll say terrible things. You will be slandered. Says this to the apostles. Of course, that's what they faced. They were slandered horrifically. And Jesus says, look, if that's how they treated me, And if you stand for me, that's how you should expect to be treated as well. And then I know it kind of goes out of our reading, but if you go forward um, into verse 28, um, you'll see this one as well. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. You will face death for loving Jesus and for being people of the gospel. What is the, the message of all this stuff? Well, it's this. Mission... And evangelism hurts. Mission and evangelism hurts. And the, the pain of, of being people of the gospel can reach every part of your life. There's no part of, of, of your life that can be shielded from the pain that, will, that can come. Everything can be taken away. Everything can be lost. Everything can be torn down because we love Jesus. <clears throat> Suffering for Christ is normal. Suffering for Christ is normal. Persecution is normal. I think we need to hear that. Maybe we need to tell ourselves that every single day. You see, I I think it's hard for us to kind of get heads around this. I think probably really in, in, in the UK, in the West. I know things are getting a little more, you're kind of feeling the heat 
underneath us a little bit as a church, aren't we? As the culture's changing and we kind of feel the things that we believe are no longer really accepted anymore. Uh, but really, I, I think the, one of the reasons we struggle with that is because we think that's abnormal. And we think that's, that's not the way it should be. Because for many, many years, this country, it was, has been a safe place for Christians to be. Uh, for, for, for a good number of years now, being a Christian, standing up for Jesus, you've been able to, to speak that freely and tell anybody about that. And, and the government has even supported and encouraged that. But the message of this passage is, this is the blip. This isn't the normal Christian existence. What we've been living through in this past generation is strange in the history of the world. It's a, it's a, it's a strange mercy of God that he's allowed us to have so much freedom to proclaim the gospel. Because the majority of Christians throughout the world today and throughout history have faced these very things that we've been reading about. And we've had it very easy for a while. And we're feeling it bubbling away underneath. And we're told here all these scary things that will come upon the believers. You know, yet there are Muslims who get saved in this country who go back to their own countries, knowing they face death. Yet I find it hard to, to, to think about losing a few followers on Twitter for Jesus. It's crazy, isn't it? Just the perspective that we have is warped. We read from uh, one of the best books on evangelism I've read in, in a good few years. It was called Honest Evangelism by Rico Tice, a little book. I recommend it to everyone. And this is what Rico Tice says quite early on, earlier on in the book. Here's the thing. Jesus says we're sheep among wolves. The Bible tells us to answer those who attack us. But most books I've read on evangelism don't tell you that. They always, um, there's always this suggestion that if you do evangelism a certain way, or if you learn to be charming or funny or interesting as you share the gospel, you can avoid getting hit. And I bet that if you stopped trying to share the gospel, it's because you've come to one of two conclusions. Either you don't think it's working because you got hit, or you don't think it's worth it because you got hit. It's not so true. We want to find that Christian book that will tell us the way of sharing the gospel where we won't get hit. But the one thing that Jesus guarantees is if we're people of the gospel, we will be. We are sheep among wolves. We're sent by Jesus to be sheep among wolves. And the question then comes, why on earth would anyone do this? Why would you do it? It's crazy, right? Why, why would I take my, my, my whole family, children and all, to another land where, where, it's, where it's harder to be a Christian than it is here in the UK? Why would I want to take them to a country where we're actually, we're not going to be eaten by cannibals. That's not going to happen in Sweden. But it's far more likely that my children will grow up to hate the gospel in that context than they do here. It's far more likely, statistically speaking. Why would we do that? It's crazy. Well, the answer is, because although mission comes with great pains, mission comes with great promises. I mean, I read six pains there, but actually as I went through this passage, I found 11 wonderful promises that Jesus gives. In the midst of all that pain, he, prom he promises amazing things. So the first thing is verse 16. He says, I am sending you. What a wonderful promise. Jesus is sending us. We're going with the authority of heaven. Jesus, the one who created all of the universe and everything, the one who holds everything together by the power of his will right now. 
The one that's holding the molecules together inside your body. The one that's allowing you the cognitive function to think. The one who provides everything you have. Your home, your finances, your wealth. Whatever it might be. Everything, your family, your children. The one who gives you all that stuff. Here's the one who is sending you. And me. Wonderful promise. Verses 19 and 20. We're told that as we're gathered and thrown between synagogues, as we're brought before rulers, it says, do not be worried, do not worry about what you will say. Um, I've lost my point. Do not worry about what you will say or how you will say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but through the Spirit, your Father will be speaking through you. So we get so worried about what we're going to say when we get hauled up before people. He says, don't worry about what you're going to say. Live for me, and I will speak through you. Live for me and I will speak. That's a wonderful promise in the midst of pain. You're not on your own. God will work through you in the midst of those things. Um, verses, verse 22, what do we see there? What have I got? You were hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's not the verse I was looking at. Oh, let's go to verse 29. That's the one that definitely says it there. Um, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. We go with the father's care, sovereign care. You know, he says, when, when a sparrow falls out of a tree, he knows it. He sees it. He, he's in control of it. He says, and as you go out, you've got the sovereign father's care. He knows what you're going into. He knows what we're going to face. And as we face it, he sees it, he's aware of it, and he cares He's with us. He will not abandon us. We're told as well, there's a promise of salvation. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. There's a promise of salvation as we face persecution in this world. We'll be saved. Verse 23. He's talking about fleeing from one place to another. And then he says, the son of man will come. Jesus will return. It won't be like this forever. God knows how long this is going to last. And then Jesus will return. It will put everything right. Verse 25. I absolutely love this one. Verse 25. Um, it is enough for students to become like their teachers. It looks as if you go out and, 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 and be, a, be a part of this in this world. Part of my mission. You'll become more and more like me. What a wonderful privilege that we would be like Jesus. We'll be like him. Verse 25, also we're told that we'll be part of the family of God. Because we'll be part of Jesus' household. And it just goes on. Verse 26, we're told that all things will be, will be un, um, all things that are spoken in secret will be uncovered. Jesus will, will outlay all truth um, to the world. There'll be nothing hidden that won't be revealed. You know, we, there will be a vindication for God's people that's coming. In, in verse 28, we're told about eternal life that will continue. And we, we can see that we are valued by the Father as we go through these things. You know, mission hurts, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 18, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, there'll be no one in heaven that will be complaining about the journey he took to get there. 
That's not going to happen. You're not going to get to heaven and go, well, you realize what I, what I went through to get to this place? It's not going to happen. It will be so wonderful and glorious that all that stuff will just, will just, you know what, that was worth it. That was so worth it. I mean, that's nothing compared. You know, as, as fearful as we get as we read those pains, you know, that's nothing compared to the joy we will experience in the presence of God in the future. So, and I think one of the reasons why missionaries risk all these pains is because they want to experience these promises. I think it's really helpful to, to, to realize that these promises come, these, these pains come, and these promises are connected together. You know, I think for a long time I would, I would think, you know, I'd love Jesus to show up in, in my lounge. I'd love to see him. I'd love to experience his presence at, at home and I've prayed many times like that when I just think you know Jesus I just love to see you um, but actually I, I think I've come to realise that if, I, if Jesus doesn't show up often in, when I'm sat on my couch he's more likely to show up when I'm in a prison cell you know um, one of the things that I'm doing with my boys to prepare them for ministry in the future is we're reading a book you might, some of you might have heard of it called Jesus Freaks you heard of it? it's like a, a daily devotional and it's, a, it's basically a, a, li- a book of martyrs, people who laid down their lives for the gospel. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I want them to be inspired by Christians who stood up for their faith uh, throughout all the years. And I want them to know that, that suffering as a Christian is normal, especially because we're going to Sweden. You know, I, I can't remember wh- which martyr it was we were reading, but I remember we, we closed the book and Gabriel said to me, one of the most precious things he said to me in a very long time, it was... I don't know. I, I don't know why. I don't want the Marvel guys to be my superheroes. I want these guys to be my superheroes. Now, I, I want. I, I, want, I want him to catch that. It's a powerful, glorious thing. But one of the things as you read these testimonies of all these believers who've died for their faith is how many times Jesus shows up in the midst of their suffering. You know, at the point where they they feel like they're about to give up, Jesus shows up. And it happens to Paul as well. You know, Paul has a wonderful ministry. But in Acts chapter 20, he's thrown into prison. And it's at that point when when it looks like everything's been lost. And he's been beaten and flogged and he's been thrown into prison by the Romans. That Jesus shows up in his cell. So why do missionaries go off and and do these kind of things? Why should we desire to go and risk it all for the gospel? Why would we want to face all these pains? Because as we do it, we will experience these promises more and more and more. If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to experience the fatherly care of Jesus, if you want to to, to taste eternal life, if you want to know how much you are a family of God, if you want to realize, if, if you want to experience divine wisdom, then tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Mission comes with authority. Mission comes with pain. Mission comes with wonderful promises. So let's make our lives about these promises. Let me pray.